The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you're listening to the Makers of Minnesota podcast number 57. And wow, we are excited to have you here listening to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Remember, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter. I am um, taking story submission ideas for the fall and winter podcast. So if you know any makers that you think would make a good story, please feel free to reach out to me, S. Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, at HBI.com. Or you can DM me on any of the social medias. Today, we are with um, Molly Mogren. And you got married too, Molly. So is your last name Kat? Yeah, I'm Molly Mogren Kat. Okay. I I just couldn't give up. I just... I just added on a name. Yeah, I appreciate (laughs) that. I never... My husband was a Kurt Johnson, so Mm -hmm. Hanson, Johnson, Olson, Carlson. It was kind of all the same. So Mm -hmm. I just went with it. So Molly Mogren Kat is the chief marketing officer of a company that I've seen on Instagram that's doing some really fun stuff. It is Namakin, which rhymes, Namakin, which rhymes with mannequin, um, Namakin fur. And I think, Molly, you and I met a long time ago. You uh, have been a podcaster yourself. You've been involved in the food empire and the food world. And what made you decide to break out of the food world and go into marketing apparel and specifically you have been working on a a patented fur collar that's magnetic so tell me about the product and like how you got started sure um well i still so i still do a lot of food and travel writing freelance um but that's lucrative oh yeah right yeah (laughs) sorry yeah i know exactly inside journalist joke (laughs) so uh my best friend uh who's like we are complete opposites, so I'm more artsy, creative, and she's very like engineering kind of brain. So yeah. she actually came up with this idea. She, her name's Maggie Davis. Okay, and she's one, the founder. Yes. So one day she was at the bus stop in St. Paul, and she had two winter coats, and one was one had like a fur trim around the hood, yep, and the other one didn't. And she noticed that she was so much warmer when she wore the one with the fur. So because her brain works, you know. Like an engineer, she figured out how, or she tried to figure out how she could move the fur from one coat to another one, but you can't usually because they attach with like snaps or they're sewn on or a zipper. So right. it got her thinking about how you could make a ruff that goes around the trim, like around your hood, and have it attached with magnets. So she came up with this whole idea of what has now become the Namakin for faux fur ruff. So it's this faux fur that attaches to any hood or collar. And the way I got involved with it is um, I just, I saw so many opportunities for ways that we could, she could market and tell the story of, of this fur that's, you know, it's like so Minnesotan, like we believe, um, you know, the key to uh, surviving the winter here is to embrace it. Right. And no, you know, you just got to wear the right stuff. 
You know, it's funny you say that because I think I was 25 years old before I had literally an appropriate coat. Yep. I would ski at at Highland Hills in the Mother Karen sort of pullover. Mm -hmm. I had a leather jacket that I wore (laughs) all through traipsing around the University of Minnesota, which is oh so warm. I never had boots. And when I met my husband now... I mean, I was just down on winter and he like loved skiing and loved being outside. And he's like, you don't have any gear. Like we need boots. We need hats. We need. So he got me all of the stuff. And honestly, I can remember still to this day, the first like winter day I was outside and not miserable. And I was like, wow, this isn't so bad. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, too, that I mean, I personally get really frustrated with, and this is why we launched this company, is that so often women especially have to choose between looking cute and looking frumpy because, you know, you can look cute, but then you're freezing. Right. Or you can look frumpy in your big sleeping bag coat, which, let's be honest, at a certain temperature, nobody really cares what they look like. We're all just blobs walking down the street. But like... But you can't do that six months out of the year. No, you just want to feel good about yourself. And so that's why we created these... For faux fur rough, so you can. I mean, we've got them in a bunch of different colors, and so it's kind of a fun way to personalize and jazz up your your winter clothes. And just to be clear, a rough is the so if you can visualize a coat that has a fur lining around the hood. Yep. The rough is this piece that it magnetically attaches. Yes, I love that. Yeah, and you can put it on any coat or a sweater. You can okay. put it like I'm wearing this a cardigan today, so I could. I did bring one with me, but, you know, it's ra- it, yeah. radio, so people can't really see. <laughs> but, yeah, you can just put it, it attaches, like, kind of, what would you call this? Sort of, like, like clips. Clamps, like, yeah. Yeah, clamps on the on the edge of your cardigan collar or on, actually, a hooded sweatshirt. How much That's do they really range fun. in price? So, right now, they're retailing for $58. Okay. And they're made, they're designed here, and then they're made in L.A., so everything is made in America for right now, anyway. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And you have lots of different colors. And yeah, we have four different colors right now. We have uh, an original color, which is kind of like a brown grayish. Um. And then we have a light pink. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a millennial pink. Sure. Which is, I don't know. That's probably not a term people like. Uh, an oxblood and uh an olive green. And you, I noticed on the website too. You guys are launching into hats mm-hmm. with puffs. Yes, puffs. And are the puffs the faux fur as well? Yeah. Yep. So we then recently, just because it was, I don't know, part of the problem with our original product is that sometimes it takes a little bit for people to get it. Yep. You kind of have to see it in person and then it clicks. The thing with these hats that we've created is people get it right away. So the idea is it's a knit beanie, which we have made in northern Minnesota. So it's like a just a regular old. Yeah. Um, um, and then the palms or the puffs is what we call them. We put a magnet on the bottom of the puff, and then we have a magnetic base that we attach to actually like a wooden nickel, like you would get at a sure. bar for a free drink or whatever. Yep. So that base goes inside the hat, and then you clamp the um, palm onto the top of it, and it stays on really well. Um, so basically, it would allow you to switch out your change the palm, yes! right? I get it. fun. So we have 12 colors, and um, you can buy it with one of our hats, or you could attach it to one of your own hats. Well, and I would think, too, that this could, like, branch out even into, like, you could have puffs or ruffs for the top of mittens. Yes. For the tops of boots. Yep. 
um, pocket liners. Yeah. That's another thing we're thinking about. That is really clever because you could use the same sort of technology that you engineered. Is it patented? So our patent is pending, which was a whole thing. A patent is not easy to get. We've had a few in our business and it's just like, wow. Yep. So we filed on September 1st, so just recently. Um, And I don't know. It'll probably take a couple years for that to It takes a long time and then... And then you change things, and then maybe you just want your patent pending forever. I don't know. (laughs) And some of the patents, like what you're patenting is a small piece of a process. It's very technical and very complicated and also hard to defend. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you kind of need to do it. Otherwise, there's no point in having this proprietary product, right? Absolutely. How much did you think you spent on the patent process? Do you have any Um, idea? Yeah, I do know. It was about $8,500. And were you surprised that it was that much? Um, well, yes and no. I mean, we had heard over and over that they're expensive and to expect to spend, you know, at least ten to twenty thousand yeah. dollars. And the thing is too, we're not the process isn't done yet. So by the time all is said and done, either, you know, because we could make tweaks to the patent and then it would be again and then mm-hmm. we have to wait a couple more years or if we want to pursue getting the actual patent like th- that will cost more money but it's not for a few more years right so um yeah but it's kind of one of those things where where you know if we really want to grow this in any way it's kind of a necessary thing yeah absolutely you and know? that becomes the value in the company is this patented technology and how right. you work this so right. tell me about um do you have like sales goals or are you just out there? Are you going to trade shows? How are you marketing the product currently? Sure. So this will actually be our first full selling season. Um, we got funded last fall through Kickstarter. And how was that? Was that a good experience? Um, well, it was good because we got the money. We yep. got we met our goal. How much did you ask for? $30,000. Okay. So we met our goal um, and it was a lot of work. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing it with like a newborn baby, which is what I had going on at the time. Oops. <laughs> but um but it was really fun and exciting. Um my biggest tip for anyone that's thinking about doing that is um to just know that the majority of your backers you're gonna get in the first forty eight hours and the last forty eight hours. So it kinda doesn't matter how long you do your campaign for. You know, like if you, you could do it for twenty days or sixty days. Yep. And kind of feel like it doesn't matter. Right. So maybe a condensed window is better. Yeah, because you do want 20 days of chaos or 60. Yeah. I don't know. And and when you say chaos, is it because you're just continually pumping the social media and updating and... Yeah, and reaching out to people and trying to find bloggers who will write about you or spreading the word or just like losing sleep because you're so far away from your goal and how yeah. are you ever going to get there? And Was it hard for you to ask people to contribute? Like you had to ask family and friends, I'm assuming. And yeah. did you have a hard time with that? Um, Yes and no. I mean, people were really, were actually really excited to back us. Um, so that felt good. And actually one piece of, ad- or just another piece of advice I have for anyone doing this is that so many people said, I really appreciate how many times you asked because I kept forgetting, you know, so I kept thinking, isn't it? Yeah. I kept thinking like, oh my God, I'm so, we're being so annoying, but there's just so much noise in everyone's life. And also like things get 
filtered. Of course, on Facebook, so people aren't always seeing everything you put out. Right. Um, but people actually appreciated the reminder, which was good feedback to get. Yeah, and I think too. Part of what people forget about Kickstarter, and it sounds like you didn't forget this at all, is that it is a marketing campaign, too. Oh, yeah. It, it's a way to generate funds, but it's also like your probably biggest marketing push at that point that you'd ever done. So how much did you plan for it? And did you like know like, OK, I'm going to we're gonna put it out there and I'm going to post on Facebook three times and Twitter six times. And did you have it literally scheduled out like that? Um, We should have, but we didn't. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it was sort of like a test and refine kind of situation. Um, we tried to, I mean, we did something probably every day, but, yeah. you know, depending on the platform, like you can do a lot more frequent posts on Twitter yep, and then less frequently on Facebook just because of how the algorithms work yeah. and all that. And you have an Instagram presence. Mm-hmm. Are you doing all of the social media for um are you doing all the social media for um, whatever? I'm trying a total blank. Namakin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. And when you're doing the social media, are there mediums that work well for you or better than others? Because I would imagine being a product that's retail driven, mm-hmm. that that's a little bit different. You're in this fashion space. I mean, that's complicated. Yeah. Uh, it's been definitely a process. Um, and I feel like we've been growing probably a little bit slower than I'd like. However, um, I have noticed that the people who do follow our our account are pretty invested in the product and in the brand. So there's a lot of interaction. Sometimes I feel like people get so caught up in how many followers you have, mm-hmm. but really it's more about the conversation between you and the people following you and, you know, it's called social media, not just way yeah the engagement factor is definitely something that i think people are paying attention to more Mm -hmm. and you might have you know thirty thousand followers but if they're not legit or they're bots or they're just not people that are interacting with the brand you might be better off having like micro followers where you have four thousand but they're Mm -hmm. really um holistic and organic about how they came to follow you yeah exactly exactly and you know the other thing too is that we've i mean you know, everyone says things take so much longer in reality than you think that they're going to. Right. But it's taken us a really long time to get product in hand. So a lot of times with our social stuff, I'm like trying to think of ways outside of our products to visually represent what we're all about. I think that's really critical and yeah. smart of you because I do social media for some clients and you can't just keep putting a picture of the product out there and saying like, hey, we have this product. Mm-hmm. It has to create more engagement with the user and there's a lifestyle to all these products, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. And the other thing we've been, another challenge we have is our product is so seasonal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's been a lot of like not much going on all summer long because do you want to think about your winter coat in July? No. Like, I would, yeah. No. No, thank you. So it's kind of been tricky to figure out how to how to kind of keep on top of building our brand through the warmer months. Yeah, and keeping it all alive. Yeah. And maybe what we ultimately need to do is come up with some products that are, you know, seasonless or more summery things. But are you are you working on this full time? No. Oh my gosh. Well, this is part of the thing is we so there's three of us working yep. on this. So so there's me and I, so I do freelance writing, yep. as I mentioned earlier. And you just had a baby. And I just had a baby. 
and I'm doing this. And then uh, Maggie, our founder, works full time and is doing this. Okay. And then Liz, who's our third, is uh, a freelance fashion stylist, but also just started nursing school. So it's like we are working at all different weird hours. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. It sounds it is like crazy, but it's but it's been good. And do most of the sales right now happen through the website? Yeah. And do you do trade shows or are you connected with the Minnesota maker scene where you're doing like craft markets and that sort of thing? Yep. So we're doing a bunch this fall. Actually, I don't know when this is coming out, but we're doing Rummage. It, this- it, you're going to miss that window, but Rummage is an event full of makers yeah. that's happening this coming weekend. Your podcast will air after that. But Yep. And we're doing a bunch of markets this winter all throughout. Do you, Twin Cities do you think that that will be a good avenue for you if you've not done it before? What are you hoping to get out of that? Like, is it, I, you know, you pay $600 to be at this booth and we need mm-hmm. $600 in sales or what, how are you trying to monetize it? Well, yeah. So a big thing is, of course, we're just wanting to move a bunch of product. Yep. But also another important thing for us is to um, network and make connections because so we did actually a wholesale trade show uh, about a month ago mm-hmm. and spoiler alert it didn't go well at all right. it sucked it was the worst but um we ended up meeting a lot of really great people there other people who are who've started their own businesses and are kind of in the a little bit more further down the line than we are and through them we've made lots of good connections with um stores that maybe wouldn't that didn't come to this trade show we were at. Yeah. Or... What made you go to the wholesale trade show? Did you think like, oh, we'll go to this trade show and we'll get Nordstrom's and we'll be off and running? <laughs> yeah. Kind and of. I, mean, I can totally see why you would think that because, I mean, that is when you don't know what you don't know, that's how you learn what you well, don't know. Exactly. So that's, we were kind of looking at it as a, a learning opportunity. Um, It was. Yeah. And I don't think we'll be back at that one part in particular. But um, yeah, it was, it was just interesting to to see how different people, different companies do their wholesale stuff and, you know, what people are looking for and all that. So when you are going to be hitting the ground running here, you're going to be going to trade shows. You mentioned earlier that you work with bloggers and influencers. Can you tell me about that? Because that's a whole new industry that's sort of coming of age Mm -hmm. and you know, people are getting contacted and saying, hey, I'm an influencer. How about you pay me for this post? How much of that are you going to be doing? And do you think that will be influential in moving your product? Because it's kind of the Wild West right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, what we're doing to start out with, um, and I feel like our dynamic and team is in a good position for this, but we all have a lot of really great, you know, existing relationships sure. with people. So we're starting there first with people who already are aware of our brand, aware of us, and who are willing to do stuff either for free or for, you know, like for product or something. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we're starting. Um, Another thing we've been doing is we're doing some Instagram takeovers Mm -hmm. this fall. And um, actually one person that we started working with is Tandem Vintage. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you're aware of her, but her name's Amanda, and she has... um, she picks out the most beautiful vintage clothes. And, like, I'm not – I love that kind of style, but I feel like my body 
body isn't like the vintage. Yeah, you know, I, I don't have a twenty-three inch. When I had cancer, way. I had a great vintage dress that I've worn <laughs> once. Right? Yeah, that's like, like oh, a little chemo diet that worked. Because <laughs> right. I stare it in my closet and think I'll never be that again, and I'm fine. Yeah, that's probably that's that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the, some of the vintage clothes, they just seem like they're so much smaller. Okay, so if you go to her shop, it's in Fine Furnish in Northeast Minneapolis. Okay. Um, she's Clothes that fit like all different sizes. I love it. Me too. So um, we gave her a couple of our roughs and she is doing some styling on vintage clothes. Cute. Um, so that we'll be posting on our Instagram account and yeah. hopefully she will too. But we're, we've been reaching out to people who have um, some unique, you know, styling. Stuff. That's a great our, idea. Yeah, because our products are really versatile. Like you could use them for... Um, you know, like you're snowshoeing or, you know, just being like outdoors in the mm-hmm. winter doing whatever. Or they can be kind of glamorous. You could throw them on a sweater or something. And right. Like, I don't know. They look really great on vintage clothes. This sounds horrible, too. And I don't even know why I'm thinking this. But <laughs> like dog accessories, too. <laughs> what do you mean? Like having a little rough outside of the little dog vests. Oh, my gosh. That they wear in the wintertime and... Yes. It just seems so cute. You know, um, who are the people that do dogs of Instagram? They're local. Yeah. Okay. They have that company, uh, Lucy and something. Oh, my gosh. I can't think of it. But I was talking to her about that, and she was like, I would love to have one of these for a Yeah. It seems like it'd be real cute. Although, I will say, like, I have a dog and a cat, and they love playing with this stuff. So, I don't know. (laughs) They might might just, like, shred it. it. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) So, who knows? You mentioned, you know, that you guys are working other jobs. Mm-hmm. How are you? Like, do you have a PNL? Do you have a marketing plan, or is it just much more organic than that? It's pretty organic, is what I would say. Organic's like a nice way of saying disorganized, um, sort of. <laughs> but you know, we're kind of the thing is we're all pretty new to this, and um, I don't think, I mean, all of us would love to see it work work out but um yeah we haven't quite you know it's not like um any of us are gonna like die or something if it if things don't work out perfectly so I don't know I just kind of feel like we're taking it day by day and and learning as we go and if we can figure out a way to like I mean ultimately what I love to license what we're doing mm-hmm. or sell a company we, I don't think any of us would be opposed to that do any of you take a salary at this point no and you talk about licensing this is kind of a um this is a hard question maybe to ask but yeah. at what point because the way you talk about it it feels kind of like a hobby yeah at what point do you think are you okay with it being a hobby business and the three of you will hobby along while you're also pursuing other things or do you think at some point someone will really need to like go, okay, we got to really buckle down here and one of us has to make this their plan? Yes, I think the latter. Um, so, and you know, part of it is just like, it's just taken a long time to really get all of the pieces. Yeah, because I think manufacturing takes way longer than people oh, think. Oh my you gosh. you want to talk about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, I From mean. From the time that you like had the idea and the drawings to actually yeah. getting something in hand. Yeah, it was, first of all, we've been working on this since maybe 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, we worked with a local company um, to get our, you know, original prototype. designs and yep. stuff and our prototypes. And um, they 
honestly, they were not easy to work with. Um, but I mean, everything was like 12 weeks to get anything made. And, you know, when you're selling, when you are only selling basically in the fall and winter, having that kind of lead time is really not, Yep, that's not going to work. So um, then we uh, started working with a company in LA and cause it, what the thing is, it's from the beginning, it was important to us to have our stuff made in the U S Yep. but what's been really interesting and I hope I don't get too much flack for saying this, but we found, cause we've had um, just because now we're curious, we've reached out to a few companies that are overseas and working with us manufacturing has been so much harder. You'd think it would be easier because time zone isn't really an issue yep. and we all speak the same language and everything, but I've really found that a lot of U.S. manufacturing isn't very responsive, um, and maybe there's just so much less of it that it's not as competitive, so they don't, like, have to be as, you know, uh, I don't know. They just don't have to necessarily be as good as that you would Yeah, expect. I understand what you're saying. But the, the thing is that you pay a premium for it to have your manufacturing here, and a lot of times, like, the product is maybe not even as good. Yep. Like our first run of roughs was made in the wrong fur. Huh. Yeah. So right? how did that how does that even happen? They just Right. How does that happen? Did um, you end up having to pay for it or we got a discount on it, but um it wasn't that much different than the one we had picked. We'd never seen this in a pro like this particular fur in a prototype before. Yep. So I don't know. I guess at some point down the line like someone left the company and someone new started and they ordered this fur from, it was named something similar. Yep. But they ordered the wrong fur and we didn't, we never saw it before we had, you know, like six boxes of them show up at so our that, house. So tell me what that feels like when you go to open the box of this product you've been waiting for and yeah. you open it and it's not the right thing. Um. Well, uh, so I'm a person that deals with stress by just like laughing hysterically. So I laugh for like, <laughs> I laugh for like two days. I couldn't, it's just like, are you serious After right now? After all this time, yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, actually what was really great about this whole, that whole experience, well, it sucked. But the thing is I showed um, what we thought we were getting and what we actually got to maybe 10 different people and asked, which one do you prefer? And it was kind of split down the middle so at that point, we were like, okay, I think, because this was mostly going out to our Kickstarter supporters, yep. so we sent out uh, an update to them explaining exactly what happened, and it actually ended up being a great, um, we got a great response from people, and they just like love being, love seeing behind the scenes of our yeah, company. of how these things work and right. how things happen. Exactly, and so it made us seem, you know more real, I guess. Yeah. Would be like you're real people. We're real people and things happen and um they love the honesty and we got so many nice emails from people after they got the product and they said I never would have known the difference, but I still appreciate you talking Yeah, us. that there was transparency there. Yeah, exactly. So as you're maturing in your business acumen life, mm -hmm. how do you figure out like, how do you get information? Do you read things? Do you have books that you recommend for entrepreneurs? Do you like podcasts? You talked about that mm -hmm. you listen to a lot of podcasts. Yep. What are some of your favorites? Well, honestly, my favorite thing to do, it's this thing called talking to other people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you've heard of it. Um, we've I've got a couple really good friends that also have 
similar businesses. One is Talisman Caps, so they they do soccer hats. Okay, you should talk to them. They're local. Yeah. And um and Hagen and Oats, they do. They're um, two sisters. I have a woodworking shop, and um a couple other people like that. And I feel like we, I'm always touching base. Well, we're touching base with each other, being like, how are you handling? How are you handling Pinterest? Are you doing yep. anything there? Facebook ads. Teach me about that, or we'll show you how we set up, you know, some app on our yep. on our phone for point of sale stuff. And so it's been really great actually tapping into local makers. Um, and even we have a friend in Chicago who has a little, who's a really great boutique, and she's given us tons of information too. So, I mean, I guess I've listened to some podcasts and I do some reading online, but mostly it's been reaching out to other people. It seems like there's an opportunity and I'm not the person that's going to do this. So if you hear this and you want to do it, please contact me and I'll help you. But so many of the makers that sit across from me in this chair need help with these types of things. Like their unique characteristic is that they created something, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make them uniquely qualified to understand how Instagram worked or how to put a Pinterest shopping cart together or how to build a website, mm-hmm. or what needs to be on a website. It seems to me that there should be some sort of like collective of all these makers where they could go and belong and have this business acumen or have people that would work in coaching and networking. Wouldn't that be an awesome idea? Yeah, that's a really great idea. I love that idea. Yeah, I may, maybe I should do yeah. it. I don't know. <laughs> but many of you guys sitting in the chair across from me have these same challenges. And one of the things when we started our business we just spent so much money on stupid stuff because oh we didn't gosh. know any better. Yes. Or like, oh, this is going to be this new sales channel and you only have to pay X amount and we would try it. And then it was just like, oh, my God, that was such a scam. Mm-hmm. Just different things that we did that we didn't realize are applying for a patent. Yeah. Fully understanding exactly what that is, how long it takes, how much it costs, what if you have to defend a patent, what that might look mm-hmm. like, because it might make a decision on whether or not you have one. Yeah. You're using your patent really as intellectual property as the basis for potential sale or expansion of your company. Mm-hmm. Other Some other people wouldn't need a patent. And it's just, it's an interesting way to think about how we could as collective minds come together and share that type of information. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think actually that's why, you know, having three people at the core of any um, company or brand or startup yep. um, is challenging, I'll say, in some ways. Um, you know, working through friends, challenging. But um, what's been really good about the three of us is that Maggie, who founded the company, like I said, as kind of more of an engineer's mind. She's, mm-hmm. a, pro- she's a project manager and just re- super organized, like almost like painfully productive. Yep. Um, and then I'm more of a writer marketing person and I'm actually, I feel like I'm pretty fearless at reaching out to people, Yep, which is also a really great trait to have if you're starting your own business. And a sales skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Liz, who's our third, has a fashion, um, a fashion background and has done a lot of fashion editorial stuff. I mean, for years and years. So I kind of think the three of us work really well together we each have a different skill though i mean of course none of us know anything about manufacturing or sourcing or anything like that so there's always going to be holes but do you feel like you have really distinct roles so like if someone if you decide to do a facebook marketing campaign do the other partners really let you 
soar with your strength there? Or because yes. I think for a lot of companies, that's challenging too. Like having really defined roles helps you stay in your lane, which can create a lot less conflict. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of both because we're also bootstrapping it so hard. Like yeah. I spent the whole weekend. My husband's out of town. And so I'm just, you know, home with the baby. Um, so at night, after just I put that. Her to bed, yeah, just that. No big deal. So every night, I mean, I watched all of the new transparent on Amazon while I attached magnets to palms and, you know, yeah, like hundreds and hundreds of them. And my fingers were so tired by the end of it. It is not easy work. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Much. And but, that's kind of what you do when you get started and yep. manufacturing. I, I'll be honest, whenever I had to like actually do it, mm-hmm. like something like that handwork, it was terrible. I was so bad at it. My people on my production line would be like, yeah, thanks for the help, but um, you're just kind of in the way. I don't really have good, I don't have patience for stuff yeah, like that. Exactly. I'm, I'm like a good enough kind of person sure. on a lot of stuff. There's some things I'm a total perfectionist on, but in general, I'm like 90% or 85 maybe percent. That's good enough for me. Yeah, I <laughs> totally hear you on that. Um, are there other local brands that you admire? Oh, my gosh. You mentioned a couple of friends, but, like, is there someone where you're just like, wow, if we could do it like them? Oh, gosh. That is a really great question. Um, Well, can we just talk about Wit and Delight? Like, how is she just... We can. Yeah. Do you want to talk about her? Wit and Delight is a lifestyle brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you know her or you just okay. admire her? Here's something funny. I met her. I didn't realize I was meeting her, but she was in my birthing class. Okay, that is so, funny. Yeah, so we have kids about almost the exact same age. So we've connected a little bit over that on Instagram and stuff. But I'm just like, how do you even? I don't. I don't get how that works. Like, she does. She's doing so many things and has a kid and a dog. And I mean, that's I'm how sure I feel about the lady that has the um, cat on Instagram. Which one is it? It's um. Maybe it's Grumpy Cat. Maybe. Um, it's a local woman who, I mean, she's got a million followers and she's just, it's all like the cat lore. I was just like, wow, you're doing so many things just in this cat space. It's hard to keep track. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I have a, I just don't know how people have that many hours a day. I guess you, ultimately you end up hiring people. Yeah. You is do what eventually. Happens. That's what happens. Um, also still kicking. Great job, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Nora McInerney, McInerney Permort. I don't think she's using Permort anymore because she's so. remarried. But yeah, but um, yeah, they're, really interesting what that company is doing. Yeah, they're just. I mean, there's you know the whole thing with um, having a, a brand that gives back, and, a charitable angle. Have you thought yeah. about that? Oh my gosh, we have thought about that. And the thing that's been a little challenging is because we're trying to. Right now, I feel like our pricing isn't working so that we have a big enough margin to really allocate money. It's pretty cheap. 58 bucks seemed when you said how much it was. I was like, oh, they're not going to get rich at that. Right. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever think you would use real fur or have like a premium product that might be real fur? Um, We've thought about it. I don't know if I really want to like get into that. Fur has a lot of baggage. Yeah. Yep. One thing we thought about doing is... um, Maybe taking heirloom uh, fur coats or fur products yeah. and turning them into something else because, like, I have so I personally have two fur coats from my a lot of us grandma. Do from our and grandmas. It's like, what do you do with it? Because yeah. can you wear it? I don't. know. I did wear the 
fur coat to a wedding once a couple winters ago. It is. It's real awkward to like, am I going to wear it? If I wear it, am I going to be Kardashian and someone's going to throw paint on me? And right. do I feel, you know, uncomfortable wearing it? I get yeah. it. Yeah. So what do you do with it, though? Because it's like, I mean, do you bury it in your backyard? Do you sell it to a vintage store? Or yep. another thing we were thinking of is maybe like, pardon the pun, but refurbishing stuff into like pillows or throws or making a real... I like that idea. Me too. It's a really hard product to, first, really hard to work with. Yep. Especially old stuff Mm because it, I don't know, it's like. Deteriorates. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know exactly how you would do it, but we've talked about it. It's cool. Well, I'm really excited for you guys. It sounds like you're having a fun time. Can I just, this is totally unrelated to what you're doing with um, Namakim, but you you had a podcast Mm -hmm. called Hey Eleanor. Yep. And I loved your podcast. Oh, thanks. I, what it was, if you, because you can still find it, is you challenged yourself to do an Eleanor Roosevelt type of thing and Mm -hmm. do something new and created experiences that you challenged yourself to do new things. Are you thinking you'll ever get back to that? You were so talented at it. Oh, thanks. That makes me feel really good. Yeah, Um, I loved it. I really would like to get back to that, to the blog and, um, and the podcast. Yeah, I would do things every day that scared me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would really like to. It's been a challenge, like I said, with being a mom. And especially because it's it's kind of crazy how my life has changed so much in the past few years where what used to scare me was like bungee jumping or um, I did stand-up comedy. Yeah. That was pretty scary. Or going to Costco on a Saturday, also very terrifying. But now the things that scare me are like... Um, Finding someone to care for my child. Yep. Or um, taking a baby on a an airplane or yep. even like just driving to Stillwater where I'm from. So, you know, it's just like these, my the things that scare me have become much smaller, but also they're kind of bigger issues. So I, I'm a little apprehensive of turning like that into a mommy blog mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think it's just kind of crazy how the idea of i mean fear can take so many different um what's the word i'm looking for all t- different views and yeah. maybe there's a, a cadre of eleanor's and oh, yeah. you need to or you have the opportunity to collect these people yeah so maybe you have the format and the house for it but you expand that sort of concept of people that are doing things and you help tell their stories. Yeah. Maybe it's not as much just focused on you at this point. Right. Yeah. And, you know, having a baby is a really life-changing thing. And a lot of people have done it. And it's not like, you know, you're recreating the wheel here and trying to, like, have this significant mommy moment. But it does change your whole life in ways Mm -hmm. that you don't even know. And time is a big piece of that. You know, if you're trying to carve out a work life and a marriage life and a mommy life, it can feel sort of like that's all you do and that you don't have time for some of the things that you used to in your previous day to day. Yeah. But those things come back and they come back in a different way. Mm -hmm. So the things that 
you decide to spend your time on will just shift and morph. And one of these days you'll wake up and your kid will be 14 (laughs) and wanting to go to a sleepover and you have eight hours of uninterrupted time to do whatever you want and you just watch The Real Housewives because you can. Oh, my gosh. No, I, I, yes. <laughs> so that is, uh, that's in your future as well. Yeah, I know. It's, it's been a really great experience becoming a mom. Honestly, becoming a mom was like the thing I was most scared of in life for sure. Really? Like, Why? Yeah. Um, it just seemed like, I don't know. It just seemed like really scary, you know? <laughs> Like having a, a person that you're responsible for forever. Do you think you made it? Like sometimes I think we just think about things too much. Like how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? 35. Okay. So you've had some time to think about this. You're yeah. what they call an older mom. You're practically yeah. oh, geriatric. No, Molly. I am. I am geriatric. <laughs> so sometimes I think like the beauty of maybe our mom's era of having babies was they didn't think about it that much. Oh, that was just what you did. Absolutely. And, 22 years old, there you are, and by 25, you had three kids. Oh, my gosh. Well, my, my I, So I named my daughter Arlene after my grandma. By the time she was my age, I think she had probably had nine kids. Yeah. She had 12 boys. Wow. Can you believe that? No. That sounds terrible. Her house must have been destroyed. Yeah. I mean, just this, you have a girl. So yeah. my dad had three girls, and then he got remarried and had two boys. And he was like, the girls were so much easier to handle as infants, you know, mm-hmm. and little girls. And they played Barbies and they did stuff and they weren't destroying everything. He was like, the boys destroyed everything in our home, you know, until like 10. But he's like, once they turned 10, they were pretty just set and they didn't cause that much strife and angst as they grew up. Whereas the girls mm-hmm. at 10, it completely reversed and we just made his life a living hell every single day. So he was like, I've had it on both sides. If I had to pick, he's like, I think I'd take the ruin of my home <laughs> over the adolescent girls. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was pretty funny about it. That's hilarious. Well, uh, tell everyone how they can find your product. Oh, sure. You can go to Namakin, N-A-M-A-K-A-N, fur, F-U-R, dot com. Um, and by the way, Namakin is a lake in Voyagers National Park. You know, I was wondering about that because I have a cabin up in Ely. Yeah. And it sounded familiar, but then there's Namakagan. Yep. And people, so in my mind, I kept thinking, oh, Namakagan, but it's not. It's Namakin. Yeah. N-A-M-A-K-A-N, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And, and Instagram you're on and Twitter. Yep. and Namakin fur. A Namakin fur. At Namakin fur. <laughs> people, what is, uh, after Rummage, what is your next trade show? Do oh, you my know? gosh. It is on October I don't know. It's called Unique something. Oh, my God. Look at me. I'm so good at my job. <laughs> I'll go ahead and put it on our Facebook Thank page. Thank you. So You're the best. You just let me know, and we'll launch they it all, there so that people can find it. All the you. markets sound the same. They do. Unique market or Christmas market, Holiday, maker's market, boutique, craft market. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, Molly, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me.